Well, top of the morning to you. Uh, this is our normal Tuesday call that we moved back to Wednesday because of the holiday here that we had uh, on Monday of this week. We don't get crop conditions and all that other fun stuff that's important this time of the year. So welcome to the call. As always, there's our contact information. We would love to hear from you, but let's get after it because we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. We could have very easily for our meme could have used the Bull Durham mound scene because we got a lot of crap going on here, uh, I would say. Uh, I think the centerpiece is kind of this leak that we got yesterday afternoon of what we believe to be the RBO mandates, the, the biofuel mandates coming from the EPA. Remember a week ago, kind of at the 11th hour, they went to the dog ate my homework to ask for another week to get their homework done. Uh, that would have put it today is when we should get it, should get it and still should get the official announcement today. But it started to leak out yesterday. And what you see in the market, we've got soybean oil was down four and a half at least cents overnight. Uh, come in this morning, it was three and a half cents down when we walked in here. It's because those RBOs, those mandates did not come in as big as the feedstock guys and the biofuel industry was hoping for. They were hoping for big increases from the proposed levels. What we got, I think, if this is right, there's a couple different variants depending on which news agency, news agency you're reading the leak from. Um, but the mandates are certainly, if bigger than what they were proposed, it's not much. And one of the other things that it looks like they're taking out that extra quarter of a billion gallons of ethanol in the in the 24 and 25 year. And since those ethanol volumes to start with were already over the blend wall, that probably is a de facto reduction in how much biodiesel and renewable diesel we got to make. So that's why you've had the violent reaction here. And uh, we have had uh, some uh, pretty incredible volatility. I mean, we had soybean oil last week was up another nickel, as I'll show you. So that's really probably the headline news. It kind of edged itself back into the one spot yesterday afternoon with these uh, these leaks. I talked about soybean oil big again, more about that later. Uh, we've been joking in the office, although it's not really funny, I suppose, if you're a farmer about this, this flash drought. The, we're not joking at the dry weather. Uh, that's not funny. The the thing that struck us here in the office is the the term flash drought. I, I've been doing this 40 years. I've never heard it before. Uh, we were kind of lumping it into the categories of the bomb cyclone a few years ago that caused us the flooding out here in the uh, out here in the West. Never heard that word that term before. That meteorological term. And then I think the derecho that we had a handful of years ago that knocked all that corn down. I've seen big wind. I've seen corn laid over. Never heard it called a derecho. So. I guess uh, the 24-hour news cycle, we have to come up with some new things to call it. But the reality is, is it's dry. Crop conditions are falling and falling quickly. I told you a week ago that with the rains that we had last weekend and with the rains that we had forecast last week that largely didn't happen, uh, that I thought conditions would get better this week. In fact, they not only didn't get better, they got worse by a pretty wide margin. And so... What you see today when you look at the screen is corn and soybeans reacting bullishly because of that uh, really disappointing crop conditions report yesterday. Uh, and you've got soybean oil going the other way in a big hurry because of just what we talked about. It's uh, the, the EPA thing. So it's going to get after it here and we'll we'll try to make sense of it. I guess other news here that we're not going to spend a lot of time on today because honestly, it's not driving the bus at B. We don't really have time. 
got a very encouraging PPI number came out uh, yesterday, Monday, at least track of the days here. This probably had, would have had to have been yesterday because Monday was a holiday. Um, producer price index inflation year over year was only up a little over 1%. That's the first time we have seen an inflation reading uh, under the Fed's 2% target in, I don't even know how long. It's been several years. It's been a couple years at the very least. So that was good news. We got a NOPA crush report. Um, <clears throat> bigger crush than expected. I'll, you can see the numbers. They're in the deck here again. I'm not going to spend much time on them. The oil that we thought we found last month is gone again. Uh, so the volatility in oil stocks, probably caused by renewable diesel inventories, uh, continues. But again, I think we're getting a little bit numb to that. And obviously, we've got a very big report coming up uh, next week. Uh, 30th is what day is that, Scott? Is that next Thursday? Next Friday? I'd have to look at my... Actually, it's Friday, I think. But uh, that's a big report. We'll get our June 1 stocks report. Uh, we will get our final, final acreage numbers. Uh, um, and so we'll, we'll maybe have a preview of that report for you next week. So, so let's talk about the implications of this EPA leak, uh, assuming that it is correct. Okay. Now, there's a lot of numbers in that box on the right-hand side, but it's the three in the circle, if you're a soybean oil customer, that you're really the most concerned about. Now, those are estimates. They are, I believe, Bill's estimates of how much soybean oil we would need to use to make renewable fuel of, of one form or fashion. And those are the disappointing numbers that came out of the proposal last November, November 30th. Um, now, you can see that they increase and you can see that they kind of bump up every year. But the reality of the situation is that's probably something that the market can handle, assuming it rains in July. More on that later. Uh, but that's those are those are increases that the market can handle. The, the very, very bullish outlook here, it was the outlook going into that proposal back in November. Remember, we were well over 70 cents a pound on the board uh, in November going into that report and have been pretty much trending lower ever since. That is similar to the numbers that would we would have to use for soybean oil if this leaked numbers yesterday are correct. Matter of fact, you might even be able to argue it's a little bit less because of what I talked about with the ethanol. Now, I don't want to get too far off into the detail ditch, but um, when you look at this ethanol numbers up here, this was what was proposed. And you can see we got 15 and a quarter billion gallons of ethanol out here. Well, that's well above the blend wall, which we estimated about 14 billion gallons. That quarter billion gallons above 15, the rumor is the leak was that that was taken out. That would not actually be ethanol production because it's above the blend wall. That would have to be made up with additional advanced biofuel production. And therefore, the actual numbers might actually be lower than what's in that red box. We're really going to have to wait and see what the actual announcement is from the EPA. Uh, we should get that today, theoretically. Um, read an article yesterday uh, that they might actually finalize their numbers by Wednesday, but they might not actually release them to the trade till later. Yeah, they were. Next week. They were by by rule or by law, they had to have their numbers on paper, but yeah. they didn't have to release them, which I thought that would be weird. That would I can't think of why that would actually do any good. But at any rate, let's let's keep moving here. Uh, we like to put our agronomy minute in here. It's really that picture on the left. Um, that's some corn I found here just a mile or so north of the office. 
Uh, and you can see how those leaves are rolled up. That is a corn plant that is struggling. And, and what the corn plant does is it will roll the leaves like that to actually have less surface area to, to kind of minimize evaporation uh, off of the plant leaf itself to kind of protect itself when it's, when it's trying to conserve moisture. Well, and the other thing it's doing is it's trying to make its profile to the sun as small as yeah. possible. Yeah, probably for similar reasons. But um, My cousin Tim, north of town, uh, has stuff that looks very similar to this. And he would tell you that if we don't get the rain that is forecast maybe for this coming weekend in our area, that he's going to have some stuff that just won't make it. It's that bad already. It seems um, awfully early for, for that to be the... Uh, the diagnosis, Dave and I were just talking about that before we started the call, um, but he's been farming a lot longer than I have, yeah, yeah. and uh, and so I'll, I'll kind of take his word for it. I'll be honest, though, I had to cherry pick a little bit to find that picture, and that picture is a kind of a sandy, rocky edge to a field, and the stuff just to the left of that photograph is four foot tall and look fine. No, those are end rows. Those are end rows. Yeah. Um, I was a little bit surprised at how far I had to go because I was expecting everything to be kind of wadded up by 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon when I went out and looked at that yesterday. And how tall is that? That plant right there is a foot and a half tall. Oh, yeah. Like I said, five rows that way, this stuff was four foot plus tall. So Tim's got stuff that's mid-thigh that looks like that. Yeah, that's not good. That's not so, good. Uh, as far as soybeans go, I mean, I was a little bit surprised. This is actually a, a, a seed bean field right down the street from the office, probably what, driver seven iron. Um, and I was a little bit surprised. Look at the blooms in there. And now the USDA isn't reporting blooming yet. Uh, I suspect they'll probably start next week or the week after. I was quite surprised. That plant's a foot tall or less. Mm. And it's got, it must have had, you know, six or eight flowers on it already, which surprised me. Although they get this seed stuff in early and this is irrigated. Um, I'll be honest with you, soybeans, you're not probably really hurting them right now. Um, I have seen soybean plants that had plenty of moisture early. They were four foot tall and they yielded 60 bushels an acre. I've also seen plants that didn't get moisture early. They sat there, they just wait on the moisture. They abort these flowers because they're not gonna turn into seed. And then if you give them moisture later, I've seen two and a half foot tall soybean plants that yield the same thing. So this is really a corn issue at this point. Would you agree? Yeah, corn and spring wheat. No, no question. And I'm not even sure it's a spring wheat issue, but. No, no, I, I, would, I would agree with that yeah. too. And wheat harvest, I don't know if you want to talk about that here on the Yeah, website. that that wheat harvest, that's a picture from actually from Texas, uh, where they're uh we're, we're harvesting wheat. You know, we're just getting going. Uh we're only 15% nationally right now. Now that is hard red winter wheat and soft red winter wheat. Um we're very, very uh uh focused and concentrated on Hard red winter wheat, as you know, we believe that soft red winter wheat looks really, really good. Um, the early stuff we're we're seeing uh, out of Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas is all over the map. We uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm reading out of Texas is is around in the 30 bushel to the acre range. Um, mm. Oklahoma is anywhere between 20 bushels to I'm not harvesting it all the way up to 40 bushels around 12% protein, which would be higher than normal. Not unusual given the circumstances and the early early stuff i'm hearing out in kansas is anywhere between uh 15 and 30 bushel an acre maybe more 
test weights all over the map, 58 bushel test weight all the way up to, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 58 pound test weight all the way up to 64. But the, um, the one thing that you can probably draw a line through all of them is that they all report quality better than expected. We were all, everybody was expecting to find just, you know, complete disaster out there. And that's typically the case. You get out there and, you know, you, you've worked yourself up to uh, um, uh, find your expectations are already low enough. Yeah, your expectations are terrible. And you get out there and you think, well, this isn't all that bad, I guess. So we'll see. I'll have more Thanks, um, more crop stuff and more harvest uh, news uh, next <clears throat> week as we really kind of start to get into the uh, bulk of this harvest. Yeah, and I apologize. I had to, I had the video on. I turned the video off. Otherwise, our YouTube recording gets too big to to really upload it. So, uh, just to be clear, reproductive phase on soybeans that is probably not the norm. This field again is a seed bean field. It went in really, really early and it's irrigated. So I, you know, the fact that the USDA isn't reporting it tells me that that is probably a little bit unusual. But I thought it was pretty cool and it's you know pretty little flower. So what the heck, right? Um. I could get the, there we go. Uh, I'm not going to spend any time on that Nova Crush report. Um, I told you last week on our call, I didn't think we really had a corn weather, or we didn't really have a weather market yet. <laughs> that probably changed on Wednesday of last week. As the week went on, last week I said, we're going to have a weather market. My, 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 my reasoning went something like this. Corn wasn't doing anything. Corn was down a nickel the prior week. It was up a nickel the week before. We really hadn't seen the price reaction yet. We had a little bit of rain in the West over the weekend. We had a, what looked like a good forecast when we put the deck together on Monday. And then every weather model run the rest of the week, moisture came out, moisture came out, moisture came out. So by the time we got to Thursday of last week, you had a market that was already reacting pretty violently uh, to the dry weather. Um, expectations went from a modest increase in crop conditions that we got yesterday to what we saw. Now, I don't think anybody was expecting that big a decline, but uh, corn conditions, um, just 55% of the crop rates is either good or excellent. That's down another six percentage points. And we I have lost now, I believe, um, three. what have we lost? 17% uh, in the condition ratings uh, in the last three weeks. So that's not good. Now, I'm gonna confuse the crap out of you here. There's a Karen Braun uh, tweet that was out, I think, yesterday. The only two years that she was able to find that crop conditions for corn were this bad at this point in the growing season were 1988 and 1992. Well, so what happened in those two years? Well, 1988 was a freaking disaster. Horrible drought. Horrible drought. 1992 was record corn yields. Was it a flash drought? It was a flash drought. <laughs> in 88, it was not a flash It was not a flash drought. It just never quit being a drought. So in 92, you had record high corn yields. So the message here is, is that we haven't killed this crop yet. One of the other articles that people are wanting to talk about, and I think you said Scott Drew Lerner at World Weather talked about it at the Soslin Conference. Um, and I don't remember if the analog was three years or four years that they had he had picked out that in a year, and they were years where you were transitioning from a La Nina to an El Nino, which we clearly are right now. And in those years, well, and the other thing is that 18-year cycle that he was talking well, about. He we'll tried to get oh, to that. In a okay, okay. The 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 
in those years, it was dry early, just like we have now, but the rains came in July and August and we made nice crops. So what does that mean? Uh, it means we're hoping it rains in July, but honestly, when it comes to weather, uh, there's a thousand opinions out there and some percentage of them will be right and everybody else will be wrong as always. So when you're hanging your hat on an 18 year cycle, and what, tell me about the 18-year cycle. I guess I missed that. He part. went back in time. I don't know how far in history, but a long time, long ways back, as far as he had records. And there's a, some some correlation to an 18-year cycle, uh, which which talks about not only the temperature but also the precipitation. He tied that together with the transition from La Nina to El Nino, um, and, and then that third thing that being the tendency that we do usually get uh you know the rains yeah. and precip to come in july forward well let's hope so i'm almost certain the rains predicted here uh for saturday will happen because we have a subdivision event that will require us to be out on the trails but we can't be out on there if they're wet and it always rains ahead of this this thing so that if anything is probably as good a cycle as any there is go ahead yeah. I was just going to ask, what were those maps that you pulled for that report the other day, the July-August set maps that said it was going to That was NOAA's. So I got some maps for another report that I did just yesterday, mm -hmm. and I pulled NOAA's three-month, uh, you know, July-August SEP uh, precipitation and temperature maps. And it's, you know, it, it's kind of right in the middle of the road, right, yeah. right where you would expect them to be. Yep. Nothing to be concerned about, carry on, you know. Yeah, all is well, remain calm. Right. Uh, this is your, your drought area maps. This is a, a USDA website. It's actually a really cool website. Uh, and you can see the areas shaded in red there. And then the green stuff is where we plant corn. The red overlay is the drought areas. And we have 57% of the corn crop in drought. I had it on the last slide. I don't remember the number, but I think a year ago it was 17%. Uh, soybeans, I'm going to show you, is 51%. A year ago, it was 11. So things are are definitely uh, not necessarily uh, great here. Scott, why don't you tell us about wheat? Well, real quick, and we don't have to spend so much time on wheat. Uh, you know, we're in we're this in harvest right now, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely a follower. But it was, you know, um, and I got my arrow wrong on Kansas City. Everything was up last week. Chicago, Kansas City, and Minneapolis. Um, you see there that uh, we've had uh, uh, really not much of a change at anywhere in the international pricing. Look at Russia. They traded some stuff last week at 228 FOB. So uh, that hasn't changed. And then when you look at the, the rest of it, we're really not paying too much attention to winter wheat conditions now because we are into harvest. Uh, we're at 15 percent done. Uh, versus 20% on average. So maybe just a little bit behind pace, but nothing to be concerned about. Dave, you mentioned spring wheat earlier. It has gone down pretty dramatically. Uh, you see, we were at 60% a week ago. We're all the way down to 51% already. Way too early to get terribly worried about spring wheat. But the other thing to note about spring wheat, you've already got 10% of that crop headed mm -hmm. already. So, well, they've had better moisture in the northern plains. So I was really surprised to see that spring wheat number drop so much. Yeah, in fact, North Dakota is not not uh, Montana's where it's it's uh it's hurting the most. So, um, 
that not not much more to say about wheat right now. It, it's definitely a follower. All right. Uh, getting off into the soy complex again. There's your reaction. Corn and beans were both up about six percent. Another nickel. We were up four hundred and five hundred and nine points week before last. We were up five hundred and ten points last week. Um, and I have it on here somewhere. Um, we have added over fifteen, almost sixteen cents a pound to the price of July soybean oil futures, a 35% run this month. That was from, I measured from the low on May 31st, which May 31st was the low of that move. Uh, that was kind of the collective, oh crap day when the market figured out, wait a minute, we got a pretty big spec short position and we're oversold to beat hell ahead of this EPA report. So the whipsaw kind of continues here today. Uh, again, based on largely the EPA announcement. And really where we're at on soybeans right now is very, very simple. When you look at the soybean balance sheet, we have a tight balance sheet this year. How tight it is, I think we'll find a little bit more out next week when we get that July 1 stocks report. But we have a tight bull crop situation. If it rains in July and August, we're going to loosen up quite a bit and we got to have enough beans around. If it doesn't, the problem continues, and it really is is that simple when you look at soybeans. It really is that simple. Is it going to rain or is it not going to rain? There's your drought area map I was talking about. 51% of the soybean area right now is in drought. Last year at this time, it was 11. We had a lot more moisture uh, last year. And on the veg oil space, you know, really not a whole lot to talk about here uh, either. The palm oil guys have kind of finally figured out that they're not talking as much about El Nino risk. It is still out there as we look out into the end of this year and next year, but the reality is Pablo markets follower. Uh, it's kind of following around bean oil, uh, both cheap bean oil coming out of South America and certainly the North American market uh, with, with all the, the craziness that we've talked about here that's going on. Jay, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on in the dairy space? I know we're maybe a little yeah. early got some big reports this afternoon, but what do you see in here? Yeah, just a couple of shout outs on here. So we've got a milk production report that'll come out at two o'clock central time today. We've got the cold storage report on Friday. Um, really kind of more of the same. I think the milk production report, we're going to be watching the number of cows. 9.4 million is, is kind of the consensus. So unchanged month over month is kind of what we're looking for. If we get anything beyond that, the market will kind of tighten up. Right now from product values, you look at class three milk, we're generally around $18 a hundred weight, which would put cheese at about $1.80 going forward in the back half of the year. Right now, the cheese, the spot cheese is at $1.38, which just reinforces what we've been talking about, that cheese demand is extremely soft on the nearby. But when you look at the forward strip for the back half of 2023, cheese is averaging about $1.83. So again, I think the market's anticipating that we'll get that contraction in the dairy herd, milk production will tighten up. Um, it'll tighten up um, more than likely. We'll see it in the next report on the production report, because I know here in the upper Midwest, we're in the 90s. So cows don't like the, the warmer temperatures. Um, so we're anticipating that as far as for other product values. When we look at the butter market right now, we did hit 235 on the spot uh, yesterday. That's pretty much about that's the lowest we've been since the end of January. So that that may be the low. Um, coming in at this point in time that shows us demands maybe just a little bit soft, but it remains strong for retail and for food service. When you look at the forward curve for butter, it averages around 242, which is basically where we've been for quite some time. Um, yeah. 242, 245-ish, that's where it's been. 
And we all know seasonally Q3, Q4, butter demand goes up as we enter into the baking season. So again, um, the key takeaways are milk production report on Wednesday, a stocks report on Friday, that'll help give us some direction. Um, it's warm out. We're probably more than likely gonna get less milk seasonally, which we normally always do. Um, cheese is relatively inexpensive on the nearby because demand is soft. Butter demand remains firm. Um, but we hit 235 on the spot, and that's the lowest we've been in January. So that's kind of it with what's going on in the dairy complex right now, Dave. All right. Well, thank you so much for the update. Uh, probably ought to get into this all-important weather. What do you got for us on weather, Paige? Yeah, I feel like a lot of this has already been talked about uh, just because it is such kind of a big deal in the market. This is that past seven-day precipitation map, and it kind of really just goes to show what what we're talking about, really. Not a ton of rain, really, across the Corn Belt. Some some decent rains maybe here and there, but uh, we've also been very hot, which is not helpful. A lot of that rain just kind of gets evaporated right back up. Um, this is that seven-day forecast. We're seeing kind of two pretty actually very big rain events kind of up north and then down to the southeast. Um, hopefully, that should help the spring wheat quite a bit, shouldn't it, Scotty? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully those kind of keep pinching in because it seems like the only place they are not is over the Corn Belt. So hopefully those kind of... This hole right here yeah. that the market's worried about. Yeah, hopefully those kind of start a pattern and a lot of those rains can kind of push in. Um and hit a lot of those dry corn areas. I think in your um, corn and soybean map area and drought, North Dakota was not a part of that drought, and they are the ones that are about to get most of that rain. So, unfortunately, that's kind of seems the way it's been the better part of the last two growing seasons. It's like we're getting more than we need where we don't need it, and not enough where we'd like to have some. That map is also helpful too. A lot of those rains are pushing north up into Canada and hitting a lot of those yeah. canola growing which is helpful. Mm -hmm. Helpful for them, not overly helpful for us at this point. These are some suboptimal long-term forecasts. Um, looks like temperatures are going to be likely be above average across the entirety of the Corn Belt with maybe slightly above average precipitation, but kind of more average um, is expected which is not, again, going to be overly helpful. Hopefully, some of those rains can kind of move in across the growing regions, um, but it's really kind of those warmer temperatures that are not going to be helpful if we're not not expected to get a lot of rain. Yeah, when it's just warm, you kind of need to have the rain with it, um, and we, yeah. we, we we haven't had the rain with it. And unfortunately, like, like we said earlier, the that was kind of the, the – the problem last week, and that's when we started talking about the flash drought thing, is, you know, when you looked at the seven-day last Tuesday when we did our call, it looks like we had pretty decent moisture in the forecast. And in and, and every one of those weather model runs that we saw for that week just took the moisture out. A lot of the moisture just dissipated. Mm -hmm. We've had moisture chances here in Omaha, and they just it's it just goes away. Yeah. We haven't had what have we had? A little bit less than an inch of rain since mid-April, I think, is the uh, is the statistic here in Omaha. So that's not a lot of rain when it says hot. All right, Paige. Uh, Canada's a little bit better, too, it looks like. Seeing yeah, again, a lot of these um, <coughs> moisture, a lot of this moisture is really kind of pushed north across the border. So they seem to be looking pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, if you look at that soil moisture map, it looks a little bit concerning, but all the people we talked to north of the border seem to say, hey, you know, we're going to need some more rain, obviously, but crop looks pretty good, it's out of the ground good, seems to be uh, developing pretty nicely, and they, they've gotten some good June rains. Really, Saskatchewan is where they grow the majority of the canola in Canada, and they've gotten some, some as you can see here, much, much better rains. And 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 spring wheat too. And spring wheat, mostly too, right? Saskatchewan. Yep. So, and that is what we have for you today, folks. Um, we will have a beers in the back that we will probably do. Uh, we will certainly do next Friday. We'll try to give you a summary of certainly what the EPA says when we see the final, the honest to God press conference where they tell us what the numbers are. And we'll also talk about this all important report that's coming up. Uh, next Friday. We got this June 1 stocks report. We'll get our final acreage numbers. Uh, so that's one of the bigger reports of the year. And we'll try to, to, to tell you what all of that means and what the, what the government numbers uh, from the EPA and the USDA, uh, really what they, what they mean for prices and, and markets going forward. So as always, we'd love to hear feedback from you. And as always, be careful out there.